Hi, it's Jem, and it's episode 10, can you believe it, of the Life of Jem live video podcast. And today I have a special guest, Gina Duran. She's actually the cousin of my rock star producer. So uh, first, a word from our sponsor, Hotbox Vintage. Hi, I'm Delilah, and I own Hotbox Vintage in South Pasadena, California. At Hotbox, our goal is curating vintage pieces that you can't live without. Our collection includes everything from the 1940s to even the early 2000s. What excites us is eclectic and unconventional style, since there's no one-size-fits-all approach to fashion. Hotbox is priced for accessibility so that literally anyone can discover some vintage gems of their own. Plus, it's sustainable. Find us on Instagram and use code RAGHOUSE at checkout for 20% off your first order at hotboxvintage.com. 20% off Hotbox Vintage. I'm back and I'm here with my special guest, Gina Duran. You're watching the Life of Jam live video podcast. Find me on my Life of Jam Facebook page, which you've found if you're on the live stream. Also, I have a brand new website. It's an author website, J-U-A-N-I-T-A-E-M-A-N-T-Z. That's JuanitaEmance.com, where you can find everything about me in one place, my blogs, my podcast, all of my writings. So go there and check it out. And contact April Duran on Raghouse Media if you want your own podcast. She's wicked good. So this episode is called Self-Care for the Soul. Really important right now to talk about self-care and how to practice it through yoga, meditation, a writing practice, and finding what I call contentment, not happiness, contentment. I'm here with my special guest, Gina Duran. But first, I'm going to read a quick story from about three years back. And it really resonates with me today when we're talking about self-care. It's called The Worst of Times. And it's not a happy story, but I think it's an important story. This is from 2017. I've had depression since high school. My first episode happened senior year. I slept and drank the year away and had to get my GED. It hit again 13 years later. I'd graduated from USC Law School. I was living in Houston. I fell into a deep black hole and couldn't find my way out. But I did. My third episode was after my father's death. I was living in San Francisco. And I moved back to the Inland Empire, leaving my husband after my dad died. I didn't leave him. I was still with him. But I left him to go back to San Bernardino. I found a law job at a small law firm in Riverside. And what I realized when I was working there is that I didn't have a choice. It was either my life or my job. I left corporate law practice and I became a public defender. My last episode or my latest episode hit me after losing the baby I wanted so very badly after trying for many years. This last episode was a mix of anxiety and depression. I never felt like that before. I muddled my way through the darkness, and I wondered when it would end. On the outside, I was good at pretending. I still went to work most days, but would have crushing anxiety driving home. It's as if I had learned a very unhealthy compartmentalization. My husband knew it was bad. I would cry in the bathtub, and he would try to fix it. But some things are unfixable. I wish I could tell you how a deep depression feels. It's hard to explain. 
It's like being in a cave where everything is darkness and you have to feel your way around. Nothing, nothing creates happiness. Where once was joy is just emptiness. But I'm lucky. I say that a lot. I came out of it again, back to my life. And after more than a year and a half since my last episode, I see the beauty in life once again. I've been laughing more and drinking less. Food has always been my main comfort, but I know that as long as I can see the light, I can try and do better with my choices. I still have my bad days, but now I really just try to focus on what I want out of life. I see that we can create our own contentment, and I want to be happy and content. I really do. So that's it. Now let's bring on my guest. She's already here, Gina Duran. But first, let me introduce this lovely lady. She's a substitute teacher, a yoga instructor with Yoga Alliance at the Healing Touch Yoga Studio. She is an 850-hour certified massage therapist. She has her Associates of Arts degree in Liberal Arts and Science and Studio Art from Chafee College, a Bachelor's of Art degree in English and World Literature, Creative Writing, and Studio Art from Pitzer College right here in Claremont. And she's a Vona alumni. We are Vona sisters. Go Vona. And for those of you who don't know, Vona is a writing collective for writers of color. She's also the founder of the IE Hope Collective, an outreach organization that helps the homeless people living on the streets and in shelters, as well as providing poetry and art workshops for low-income, homeless, foster, refugee, and LGBTQ2 plus youth ages 7 to 18, focus on coping skills, empathy, introspection, community building. She developed this during her time as a volunteer, as a community health worker for San Bernardino County, and from her studies in child development, psychology, criminal justice, and her research as a summer fellow at the University of Illinois Urbana Champaign. As a yoga instructor, Gina teaches restorative with self care yoga, which allows her to combine her knowledge and practice of yoga and massage therapy for adults, as well as teach youth in schools and foster care and after-school programs, mindfulness and health for stress relief. As an artist, poet, and educator, Gina plans to continue her education in art therapy to continue to help marginalized youth. Her book of poetry, And So the Wind Was Born, is set to release in February 2021 with Flower Song Press. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> now that's a resume. <laughs> uh, I'm so impressed. <laughs> Thank you. Where'd you go to high school? Um, Fontana. Oh, so you're a local girl. Oh, hi. Fontucky. Fontucky, yes. <laughs> I was going to say that word, you know. <laughs> yeah, only Trying us. to be nice to the Bohai people. <laughs> <laughs> only us people from the Inland Empire can call Ontario, Ontario, and Fontana. Montana, Kentucky. Exactly. <laughs> so you, and you went to Claremont College, Pitzer. Mm-hmm. So what was that like? Oh, I loved it there. Um, it, it was difficult at some points because, you know, they're, I mean, they, they, they struggle to, to have diversity yeah. and it's very important to them. And the idea of um, working with community is very important and sustainable environmental sustainability yeah (laughs) 
I'm all stuttering over myself. Um, but yes, like they have so much that is about society and lifting up the community. So I, I felt like that was my type of school. That's where I wanted to be. Um, I just, the, the reason I admire you so is, I don't know if you know, but you know, I dropped out of high school and I had planned to go to the Claremont colleges. My dream school was Claremont McKenna and, uh, I never made it there. So I just always admire people that take that path, you know, and, and you, you made it, you know, and now you're doing a lot with that degree. It's never too late. (laughs) I didn't go until I was 40. So yeah. yeah. Um, I also, so I did graduate, but I got pregnant immediately after I graduated and got married. And so that's, you know, a whole other story. But I felt like my dreams were amazing over. Yeah. But then I went to college and finished at Chafee. And then I was like, and I met friends that help, uh, help lift me up, you know, lift my yeah. spirits, which is why I wrote. And so the wind is born <laughs> because it's actually about overcoming trauma through love the healing aspects of love. Yeah. And I think there's something about, um, we'll get into the rest of the interview about achieving your dreams. You know, I I was so ashamed of being a high school dropout, but then I realized that my story and owning that story and changing that narrative and using it to my own benefit, you know, oh, she went to USC law. I could just tell people that story and they would see one side of me and they'd think I was bougie or educated. But then if you (laughs) add in, oh, she dropped out of high school with you. You went to the Claremont colleges, one of the best set of colleges in the nation, but yet, you know, out of high school, you got pregnant, you had a child, and then you went back later. I think it just says so much more about you when you (laughs) own that story. Don't you think? Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I, the reason why I got married straight out of high school is I had had a traumatic experience that made me think I wasn't good enough. I'm sorry. So yeah. thank you. But you know, it is what it is. And I, I'm not really sorry. I think, I think I'm kind of grateful almost yeah. for the, I no one wants to experience trauma, but I am saying that I'm grateful because I don't think I would be who I am today if it wasn't for all the things that I had gone through throughout my childhood and my adult years, um, my teenage years. Those were all very difficult times for me. And I believe once I was 27 and I, I, well, I had a, um, I had struggled with depression and anxiety, um, very severe. And um, I needed to just like flip my life around. I think, It's like uh, we sometimes we have to hit rock bottom. Yeah. No. And, you know, having struggled with both depression in high school and in college and after during law school, that was probably where my worst depressive episode was in Houston when I lived there by myself. But for me, um, after my miscarriage, I think anxiety was worse. I mean, I don't want to, all mental health is relative and equal. I don't want to minimize any kind of mental health issue. But for me, um, I think, being this age and dealing with anxiety, it's, it, to me, it impacts my life function more. So, yeah, yeah, I, you know, I try to, you know, breathe my way out of it. And for, for me, and I'm probably for you too, like art and like performance for me, that helps me. Most people might create anxiety, but for me, it helps me get out of it. You know? Oh yeah. Art is, that's why I teach it. I mean, Mm -hmm. I want people to have that same thing because that's what happened. I just said, you know what? I'm done living this way. I'm done um, not being who I am meant to be. For instance, I'm gay. And that was one of the things that 
that I needed to experience and say, hey, I need to be who I am and stop caring so much about what my mother or father or the friend next door thinks of me. You know, yeah. like I don't care what those people think anymore. Now I'm just like, I love me exactly for who I am. And that's all that really matters, yeah. right? You know, I'm tearing up here because I already love you. You have such great energy, and I knew you would because you know you're related to my producer. But you know, I'm, I met you through um, Bona and through my twin sister. You yes. and her taught a class together recently through the IE Hope Collective. Talk a little bit about the IE Hope Collective and how you started this organization that much like the work I do with the Public Defender, you're reaching out to these communities of the most voiceless, the most oppressed peoples that just really need a support network. Uh, Sure. Okay. (laughs) So I started as, um, I think it's San Bernardino uh, with the community health work. But prior to that, I was already helping the homeless. I mean, I started helping the homeless when I was nine and I saw like this homeless woman um, living on the side of the freeway with like boxes and she created a house. And I was like, dad, what is she doing? He's like, oh, she made a house because she doesn't have a home. And I was like, oh, but it's going to rain. So I guess that's good because she can stay warm. And then on her way back, the house was ripped down. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, this is awful. And I started crying and I was like, please, let's go back. I want to take her blankets and food. And and I was like begging and begging. So finally my parents are like, okay, we'll take you back. So what does my dad do? He takes me there and tells me, okay, get out, go give her the blankets and the food. I was like, wait, what? You're not going with me? He threw <laughs> you like, into the pool. He's like, go. That's, that's how he taught me how yeah. to swim too. That's yeah. how he taught me how to swim. He just threw me in. <laughs> so, then, so then I was like, oh, here, here's your blankets and, and your food. Um, take care of yourself. <laughs> and I like ran back <laughs> into my car. <laughs> but that was my first experience. Wow. And then after that, my dad took me to Skid Row. And um, so once I got to be older and I got my divorce and came out of the closet and met someone new, um, I decided, you know, I was back at Chapey and I decided that now was the time. And I had met somebody else who had a little thing going on where they were collecting and going out to Skid Row. And I went with them and I was like, oh, this is what I've been missing for my life. Like, what have I, what have yeah. I been doing with my life all this time? So I started collecting clothes and started the IE Hope Collective wow. at Chapey College. And they, they, I had the best support from their, um, from the staff and the, and the professors and um, the other clubs that helped support my my organization, and I worked with Starbucks and like all kinds of organizations and um, businesses out in the city of Rancho Cucamonga. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, do you guys do anything for Thanksgiving? Because I know Raghouse Media and the t- our team we're looking to do something for the holidays. Uh, the IE. Uh, for the I Hope Collective? Uh-huh. Well, I uh, normally would go out and just hand things out, like clothes and stuff. Okay. But if you want to get something started with me, I'd be down for that. Okay. <laughs> like, you, let's, let's you, get some food made. And you are like on, that. sister. <laughs> let's do this. All right. Let's do it. Yeah. I'm yeah. ready. I'm always I'll up donate for that. too. Let's do it. Um, you, you know, and just what you're saying about um, reaching out to the homeless, even when you're a little... Um, you know, I always say God tests you at times. And um, I was in Riverside and I was on my way to work. And this, I always help homeless people. I always bring them food. And and a lot of my clients are homeless. I'll buy them lunch. But this woman was shivering and I went in my car and got a blanket for her. And she said, can I have a sweater? And I had my favorite 
sweater in the car. Where'd you do? I gave it to her. Aww. Oh, but I missed so that sweet. sweater. <laughs> it was bright. It was soft, curly blue, and it was all fuzzy. And but then I thought, if I don't give this to her, that's like a test, right? It's a test. It's it's it, you're being know. asked how important are things to you versus people. Oh yeah, right. That's and true. Who, what's the most important thing? People. I think so. Yeah, yeah. not yeah. things. So it's just a thing. How do you work with your workshops? How do you reach out to the communities and get them to participate? Do they have internet or do you do it in person sometimes? I generally go out in person and I get a group of friends that are other artists and poets. And I just say, hey, you guys want to join me and do this? And um, there have been a couple where I actually was able to pay people wow. because I got paid. So, you know, I, I mean, I guess I could keep it all for myself, which would be really <laughs> nice. But... <laughs> I think like it's better for me to also give that back to the people who are volunteering with me. This way they come back. <laughs> oh no, I'm I'm all about that, you know. Right. And there's been I that movement. I can get. Yeah, and the movement to really pay artists, right? Yes. To not ask people to always work for free. I I really believe in that and when I do readings now, it's usually either paid or you get a stipend or some kind of honorarium and I would never, you know, if I ask someone to come on my show, um I try to pay them unless they're my friend and they don't want to take payment. But, you know, I think it's really important to honor people and to pay them a wage because, you know, no one expects a dentist to work for free. No one expects it, you know. But they expect artists to work for free all, all the, the time. time. Or Whether you're a writer or an actor or yeah. a painter, doesn't matter. They're yeah. like, oh, could you do this for me for free? <laughs> yeah. No. no, exactly. And a lot of these literary journals, I mean, some of them do pay now, but a lot of them don't pay. And I would just mm. submit just to get my stuff out there. And I'm very glad I did. You know, I went to Stanford and did a reading and I had to pay for all that myself. But I mean the exposure is good when you're starting out. But then when you get to a certain place, it's like, no, pay me. Al Jazeera, I am not writing that for free. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's important that we as writers and artists, we learn how to negotiate what we're asking for. Don't lowball, you know, find out what the going rate in the community for those articles for Al Jazeera or the Atlantic, find out what they pay. So when they offer you something, you know, it's like the going rate, you know, because there's nothing worse than finding out you got paid a couple hundred and someone you else you know got paid 500. Just like, ooh, yeah. left money on the table. <laughs> Never good. Um, so why don't you tell us about your yoga practice too? Like, how'd you get into that? Like, you're you're this like renaissance woman. I mean, really, right? You are. You're okay. like this renaissance <laughs> person that just does everything. You're a yoga instructor. You do massage therapy. You run IE Hope Collective. You're an, a writer, a poet, an artist. Uh -huh. <laughs> so tell us about the yoga. How does that fit in? Okay. So actually they're kind of connected. So the, there's this professor that I w was at school with um, in Chafee College. And she's the one who actually, who's now like a, like one of my best friends. Um, and she taught me first, first of all, she's the one who got me into the idea of the, doing the workshops, but it wasn't on purpose. It was kind of like, I think she was kind of like pushing towards that mm -hmm. way because she's like a teacher. So that's what they do. You know, they trick you into, <laughs> into these ideas. <laughs> and so that's why I started these workshops because I was doing, I was like, oh, what can I do? That's even better. And also I was going through my divorce and my daughter was very sick and in and out of the hospital. And so I was dealing with that and 
And then she says, Gina, would you like to go to yoga? And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> I was like, you even sound zen when you said yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, I was so, I was such a mess back then. And I had already done yoga in and out, like in my 20s here and there. And then like in my thirties, I did a little bit again. And then, and then the divorce came and then my daughter was sick in the hospital. Mm. And then my godmother, who was my, also my aunt died and all at the same wow. time. And it was just like a huge nightmare. And then I went back to school while, because I had to take time off and they let me do that to take those extra two classes. So I was actually taking six classes oh at one God. time just so I could graduate because I was like, I wasn't divorced yet. Yeah. I hadn't actually said we were separated and we got back together, separated back together. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do any more of that. I'm just going to let her do her thing. My ex-wife and just kind of like, wait. <laughs> and then, and then when graduation came, I was like, I looked at her, she was sitting on the couch. We were sitting on the couch watching TV. And I just looked over and I said, I want a divorce. And she wow. said, I know. <laughs> and, then, and so my friend says, come to yoga. I says like, oh my God, yes, I, that's what I need. So I went and then finally my practice just stayed. I continue to do yoga for forever since then. I think it's been like seven years now. Yeah. And that's how my twin met you is uh, she was taking restorative yoga classes with you. And she was, she was raving about this girl, Gina. Oh, you got, I, you got to do yoga with Gina. And Jackie is always trying to get me to exercise, right? Do a, do a five, a, do a marathon with me, do this with me. <laughs> but then she was just like, this will change your life. And I am going to take a class with you, oh, but, uh -huh. and I get to see you practice today. Um, how does it help you center yourself? What do you think it is about yoga? Is it the breathing? Is it the meditation? What is it about yoga? All of it. Mm -hmm. So um, I, for me, I think the biggest part was learning how to breathe because I, you don't know how to breathe. Oh, I don't breathe very <laughs> yeah. well. Especially yeah. in America, we don't know how to breathe. Um, <laughs> so we have to learn how to breathe all over again you know, full breath, all, all the lungs, just inhale deeply and then, you know, oh, it's just wow. like, it's so relaxing and just lets all that stress off. Like, even when I took that deep breath now, I just felt like I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I breathe very shallow just naturally anyways. Yeah. And my husband is always telling me, look, Juanita, you, Jim, you never relax. You know, you don't even breathe. Like, I was just going to say, sleep. sometimes I hold my breath. A lot yeah. of times lately, because I've when you're stressed, I've, especially. Oh gosh! Mm. And just recently, I've um, jumped into the whole anxiety thing. I've never had anxiety in my whole life, and I just recently am trying to manage that. And I've realized even when I'm driving, I stop breathing. I realize like I'm holding my yeah. breath for no reason. That's yeah. scary. Or we clench up too. Yes. Yeah. So like you gotta like like go. And one of the things mm. like my hands would always get tight. And then one of my restorative teachers, Kurt. Um, Mueller, who just passed away. Um, and so I'm going to teach you one of his favorite poses, as a matter of fact. So like he, this is, this is the pose he put me in that I cried in when I was doing my training. And it's like, you're in a fetal position and you're like, you feel like you're in the womb. It's very warm and cozy and, um, and it's safe. And so I just cried because I felt so safe and I hadn't felt safe for a very long time because I had, you know, gone through a divorce and my daughter was sick and just like all this horrible stuff kept happening. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with me? Yeah. <laughs> and it, yeah. it wasn't, there was nothing wrong with me. I was living, experiencing hardship and, 
And for some reason, we all have these expectations for ourselves that like what we're all supposed to be just like what strong, sturdy people that don't ever collapse and cry. Like you're totally allowed to cry. It's actually very strong to cry. That Mm -hmm. is strong. And, you know, I'm, I was crying a lot back then, but I didn't want to cry in front of other people, except for when I was at yoga. I cried all the time, (laughs) like all the time. And I think that was the other reason too, that it was so good for me is because, you know, you're doing all these poses and it just releases your, like your muscles start to release just like when you're in massage. Yeah. And uh, a lot of times when I'm massaging. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a massage whore. I I love massage. I hate that word whore, but I would just, I love when I, even when I'm getting massage, I'm like, oh my God. I try not to like moan because it sounds weird when you're in the room and you're like moaning, but yeah. Yeah. When I would massage my clients and then they, or my patients and then they would get a release and then they would just start to cry. And, you know, I, and I did cry during my massage training too, because there was a lot of knots up in there. And so yoga does that for you. Yeah. When you're doing your stretching, you're warming up and it's prepping you for your meditation. Then you start to get these releases. And that's why a lot of people wow. will experience crying because yeah. they have all that stuff stored up. And they're just like, all tight. Yeah, you know, I still don't think I fully uh, grieved my infertility yet. And I'm almost 50 at this point. And um, we stopped trying when I was 44. And, you know, it's been six years. And I'm still grieving that loss of the miscarriage, but also the loss of the ability to be a parent. I'm sorry for your loss. So I don't think, you know, women don't talk about miscarriage a lot. They don't talk about infertility. I know. They should. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, one of the things that I ha- happened for me with my partial hysterectomy, um, after I had my, after I had it out, I was like, I'm free of that. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? I'm, I'm feeling great. And then the, and then I went to this healer who's doing Reiki over me. And yeah. she says to me, Gina, have you done it? Have you said anything to your uterus? Have you written it a letter or said goodbye or created anything for your uterus? And I was like, Hell. <laughs> <laughs> this is really new age. I, like, <laughs> I was like, bye no, bye, it was uterus. like a, exactly. I was just like, bye, see you later, peace out, uterus. You know? <laughs> and so she said to me, she's like, Well, you should. I mean, you know, you realize that it didn't just experience bad things and good things. I was like, well, yeah. that's true. I had children. And yeah. she's like, more than that, Gina, it's not just that you're a mother, like, because you're an artist. Yeah. More comes from your uterus because as as women, this is actually where your chakra is is a, is about creation. Mm. So you create right in this area, and then to I just had that whole organ taken out of me. So then I was like, oh, well, then maybe okay, I'll make some art for my uterus. So I did. I created uterus bowls, and they were. Everyone calls them my vagina bowls. (laughs) Vulva shape. Well, you know, that's really um, perceptive and resonant for me because I always say, you know, even though I don't have children, I have my dogs, but I also have my book children. You know, Mm -hmm. my books are now my babies and it's that creation. You're right. You're still creating. I'm still creating. And that's the only thing that saved me. I don't know if I would still be here if I didn't have my writing because there's many days where I didn't want to be here anymore. I was like, I can't be a mother. You know, I can't be a good wife. I can't be, you know, what am I, a worker, a worker bee? Who wants to be a worker bee? I don't want to be a worker bee. No, no, no. I work too much as it is. <laughs> we need to play more, right? We need yes. to do more art. And that's what Vona taught me. Being able to go, um, 
Bono, which which location did you do? I did Berkeley. I did uh, San Francisco. I did Zoom. Oh, you did Zoom. <laughs> you did the first Zoom one. Yeah, well, it's Florida, uh huh, University of Florida. But uh, who, what class did you take with who? Uh, I took it with Eve- Evelyn Galang. Galang. Oh, she's I love amazing. Her. She is so Filipina. amazing. Filipina. <laughs> <laughs> she's a, and she's a great like nurturing. Yes. Presence, you know? Yeah. She sent me her book too. So that way, because I'm writing about sexual violence and healing from that. Mm-hmm. And so. And she wrote about the women. Um, exactly. Yeah. So her book really resonates with my book. And mm-hmm. I was just like, wow, this is amazing. And I love her for it. She's autographed it and everything. I felt special. Oh, <laughs> I took Andrew Pham. I took David Murrah. I took um, Faith Adele. And I took um, Nina. So I took, I did Vona four times. I'm like, wow. OG Vona. Well, you can go back as many times as you want, they say too. So yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm going back again. Yeah, yeah we absolutely. should go together. We should. Oh my gosh, let's do it. And can Jackie can come too. Yeah, because yeah. she went too before, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, her and I got into a little, uh, almost fisticuffs though. Oh, oh no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a thing about twins where you can bring out the best and the worst of each other. It's right. almost like being around your same sign, but uh-huh. even more so. And uh, yeah, we got into like a, only a little different. fist fight, like in the street. I'm like, who, I'm going to beat you up. She's like, I'm going to beat you up. Who was first? Me. Was, you were in first? Oh, yes. So you're Nine the older minutes. one? You're like, that's it. I'm the oldest. I have, you know, <laughs> Cain and Abel taught us that it does mean something who comes out first. And I came out first. Nine minutes. <laughs> So, um, are you listening, Jesse? Are you listening? <laughs> hey, she said she was going to get on at seven thirty. So, um, so I talk about this a lot in my blog. For me, that concept of happiness—it's an illusion, right? It's ephemeral. Uh, what we really need to find is contentment. So, how do you find that peacefulness and contentment, and get away from, you know? Thinking happiness is what you wear or what you own or what you drive or what you do even. It's not that, right? Right. I I think it's kind of more of a state of mind. And also, uh, I feel like uh, the the desire and the, the, the striving for happiness is very unhealthy. Mm. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, like people, people, like if you come into the room and you look sad and they're just like, oh. <laughs> Small. Oh, no, I don't want to be around her because she's sad. Or she's angry. Mm-hmm. Why can't angry people talk? Why can't sad people talk? Why yeah. aren't they allowed to share their feelings? Because everyone is so obsessed with happiness that we aren't allowed to experience other emotions. And then they block each other out and they like keep each other from becoming friends or, oh, don't talk to her. Yeah. She's sad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, she's angry all the time. Oh no, she has a human emotion. You know, honestly though, I like, I write my poetry and it's got all those emotions in it. And, um, and then people cheer Yeah, because I express an emotion that they don't know how to express. And it's because they're too afraid to feel. Yeah, there's yeah. something authentic about that, right? About or they're showing not sadness. to feel. Oh, right. Yeah, they're taught not to feel, and then they don't know how to feel later as adults. Like as children, they're forced to not feel things, and then like you, you just have to, you know, dig it, bury it way down deep. And like that's why I write, and that's why I teach kids yeah. because I don't want them to have to be like that. I mean, you know how res- what that result is? It's su- suicide. Yeah. Yeah, you can't keep people. It's that's not part of acceptance. 
And yeah. acceptance is a part of love. And if you don't even know how to accept others, how do you accept yourself too? Yeah. I mean, I know it's the other way around. People always say, if you can't accept yourself, you can't accept others. But we are all connected. Yeah. So wow. me accepting you and April and the stranger down the street, that's, that is also accepting a part of myself. I was homeless at one point in my life. So, um, you know, that me hating a stranger who's homeless on the street is hating mm -hmm. myself. Yeah. You know, it, it's hard to find people that are, because I'm an, I'm open. I try to be open. I try to be honest. And it's, it's really hard to find other people that I can connect with that are open about their story. And you're very open about your life story. And I, I think there's a lot of power in that. Like, I feel just more connected to you just because you're just being so honest. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's just hard to find today. I, th I think that's a Duran thing. <laughs> it, is, it is a Duran thing. We just kind of say however we feel. <laughs> so it's Maybe seven, I got that from my dad. <laughs> hey, and I'm a man's girl, so I'm the same way. Do you want to show us a, some yoga moves? Because I also want you to do a reading. So I want to oh, make okay, sure great. we do the yoga moves. And you should um, be careful when you do Okay. So people. Um, so I do I just take this yeah, off? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I am going to need my. Okay. okay, yeah, we could take a break and do that in a minute. Okay, people. So now um, Gina is going to show us some cool yoga moves. And this is restorative yoga, right? Yes. Okay. So I often will teach it as restorative with self-care and sometimes restorative with meditation. And this one is a nice little cozy pose. I think that goes well for today's uh, climate. <laughs> Political climates. <laughs> yes, we all need some restoration need today. Some restoration. So first thing you're going to do, what I'm going to show you first is that I place, place this bolster up against the wall to help support my back. Okay. And then this one right here is going to be for my neck, but you can also use a blanket and roll it up like a small or a towel. And then you're going to get a pillow or a bolster, depending on if you have a bolster or not. And then you put it between your legs like so, because now I'm like in a fetal position. And then this one right here, I'm going to get for my body. Oh, it's nice and cozy. And then just so you can do it yourself, because normally what I would do is I would tuck someone in and I would massage them and give them a nice little um. stretch in the neck and the shoulders. Because that's where we hold a lot of our tension, anxiety, and anger a lot of times are in your neck and upper shoulders. I'm already feeling more relaxed just watching you get cozy. And so where do you get bolsters from? From like a yoga store or yeah, online? Yeah, you can get them from a yoga store, online. Um, but also you could just use pillows. I mean, you don't have to spend all that money, you know? Uh, and then... So you have a pillow or a bolster behind your back, one under your head, one in front of you, and one between your legs and a blanket over you. Yes. So, okay. And I also put a blanket underneath on the um, on the mat you don't have to do that, but it makes it extra comfy. Mm. And I've been practicing having like my own cozy corner. So I felt like you all would like to have your cozy corner. I am going to have a cozy corner tonight when I get home. <laughs> what is your book's name? What's your book? Uh, the and your so book? the wind was born and it's coming out February 15th, uh, which is my birthday. <laughs> and that's <laughs> Flower Song Press. Flower Song Press. And it's to be released at all major book sellers. Yes, and we'll and, and when you when it comes out, make sure you email me the link and we'll put it on the Life of Gem page so people can get it on uh oh, link to it from my page. So, much. I love it. so 
So here you can either like curl it like this. And another way that I'll show people to do it is like so. So this way, if say they want a place for their arms to rest, this is another version of it. And it's just a side laying pose is what it's called. But you can also think of it as like being in a field position. And your legs are together. Is and that right? Legs, the legs are over the bolster. So we're basically the ankles are even with each mm. other. So they're on the opposite sides. And then they kind of go back towards the wall behind me or towards my booty. And then I bring the blanket over so that way I'm nice and tucked in. And I cover my feet so that way they're not cold. And then you would probably, this is where you get to have a few minutes. Generally, I would put someone uh, in this pose from anywhere between five to eight minutes, sometimes even 10 if they're advanced. If you're not advanced, I suggest starting probably at four to five minutes. This way you can gradually build yourself up. Um, it's not just about laying on your shoulder that can be can cause stiffing, stiffening, but also people have a difficult time slowing down and just meditating. So this is a good way to start building up um, and practicing your meditation. And can you listen to like a guided meditation while you're doing that? You could. And you could also listen to something really soothing like music, um, mm -hmm. some tranquil or yoga music. Or, or electronic. Uh, electronic. Yeah. There's a few different ones. There's some for meditation specifically. And then one of the things that I normally like to do is um, begin my guided meditation by thinking about a river and wind and like brushing all of the things that don't serve us away. Mm. And then once we get beyond that part, we begin to imagine a light building up inside of our hearts. Mm. And then a lot of times it's your favorite colored light. And then as you begin to imagine that light, it begins to expand outward beyond your heart. And then it flows all over your body, into your shoulders, and your neck, your face, your abdomen, your arms, mm. your wrists, your ankles. you do that, you begin to notice that your body is relaxing. And as you inhale with your breath, you begin to feel that light fill you up. And as you hold your breath, you surrender the light. And as you exhale, you release everything that doesn't serve you. I'm already more relaxed. Woo, okay. Thank you. I, you know, I think that's just so, I'll, I'll let you, uh, and your phone's right here so we can do a reading in a minute. But I think that's, uh, for everyone watching, the more that you can create a little serene place for yourself, 
wherever you are, whether it's at home, whether it's, you know, at work, whether it's at your computer, if you're working from home, what I would say is right now working from home can be very stressful because we don't take a break. Take a break and do what Gina just taught us. Lay on the ground, curl yourself up, give yourself five or 10 minutes and just restore yourself. I think that's so important right now. Don't you think? Yeah, I do. And one of the things that I like to practice um, is surrender. Mm. I feel like surrendering is the best for me. I've tried non-striving and I just started to find myself striving to not strive. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is not working for me. So I need to try something new. Um, and yeah, my friend, uh, my other go. friend, Gina, who owns uh, Blackbird Tarot taught me that to let go, surrender and let the universe take you. And that, that way you're not blocking yourself and you're not trying too hard. You know, we can actually block ourselves by striving, you know, because we're trying to control it. And life is really just about sometimes just living your life and letting go, you know, and letting the universe take you where it wants to take you. You know, sometimes you have to strive. I remember just the process of doing my audio podcast led me to April because she was starting her video podcast. And then that led me to this. So sometimes the striving can work or when you take on a project that you really want to see to fruition, it can lead to other things. But that's different than striving and saying, I want to get here because I want those accolades, or I want a book contract, or I want to make a million dollars. That's never going to get you anywhere. And uh, most people never reach that anyway. So So, um, are you ready to do a little reading for us? I'm so excited to hear your work. Um, uh, yeah, hang on. Yeah, Sorry sure. about that. And, um, I would just say, um, I'm going to have Gina do a reading to end the show, but I want to tell people that our next episode will be in December and I'll put more info on my life of gem Facebook page and on my one emance.com new website, but I'm going to have, um, we're going to talk politics and law <laughs> with fellow USC law alum, my uh, law school classmate and political aficionado, Courtney Stewart Alban. She is amazing. She's one of the most brightest, strong, passionate female lawyers that I know. Actually, any lawyer that I know. She's kick-ass. So that'll be in December. So um, Gina, it's been so nice having you on. I want to have you back on because I feel like I didn't even scratch the surface of everything you are. <laughs> Thank you so You're much. amazing. <laughs> and Jackie always raves about you and April raves about you. And I, you know, you, you've been one of my favorite guests. The time has just flied. It's like, it's so easy it went, to talk to it you. It went really fast. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So what's this? Uh, are you going to read a poem or a story? I'm going to read a poem. And this is a lunchbox message to uh, my my love. <laughs> uh, so she's like my best friend. And um, uh, also like, it's just, I don't know, we have like a very spiritual connection. So that's why I talk about uh, Sangha in this particular one, which is like your spiritual family. Uh, and so sometimes we create our, our own families and, um, she's one of those people that is in my, um, in my, in that spiritual family. Okay. So this is called a lunchbox message and they're all inside of my book and they're kind of the break in between the, the, the poems that are about trauma and overcoming trauma. And, um, and I also wrote them as, like love notes to her. And then one day I was like, oh, just think of it as like a lunchbox message. Because oh. <laughs> you know how you put little love notes yeah. in the lunchbox for the your loved ones. 
Okay, so this one's titled Lunchbox Message, The Dawn of Sangha. Sometimes I want to lay in the wind to feel its arms wrapped around me again. Because sometimes I still smell the aroma of you in the flowers and in the trees. Sometimes I want to become the particles of the solar wind and wrap my rays around earth. Because sometimes my poems are dreams wrapped up in memories of you. Sometimes I want to be the flames of stars so someone will see me. I had hoped it was you. Because when I stood in the dark with my sister and son, I wished your hand was holding mine. Sometimes I want to whisper all my secrets to you. Then I remember that you are the wind because you are always moving and that I am the great granddaughter of the dawn. I am of the sun and I am the electrically charged particles of my dream, and you, you are more than the wind or the earth. You are my friend who held me until my words became poems and letters, became love messages on walls and paintings became nightscape dance floors within the aurora. And you became more than a love story in a book of my dreams. You became Sangha. And that is how this poem begins well oh. thank you so emotional that part where you say um so someone will see me mm-hmm. that don't we all just want to be seen and heard i mean ultimately yeah that is i mean that that, that was kind of like the, the idea is i just want to be seen and uh and she's like one of the only people that has ever really seen me so yeah if if we have time i would like this one's very short. Oh, no, we got time. Okay, great. Yeah, great, we got great. plenty of time. We got okay, great. five more minutes or so. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. Then yeah, I can do that please, really please. quick. Okay, so this one is also in my book, but it was also for the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. So it was part of that research. And so I put it in the end because I really feel like people need to, to hear this one. Okay. It's titled One. I am one angry woman comprised from sexual violence, compiled, contrived, compromised by construct, a construct of human ideals, not reality, not truth, but the need of compartmentalization to obtain power, not for understanding. Queer, straight, brown, black, white, male, female, trans, two-spirit, or one, human. I am one angry human seeking healing. I am healing, seeking to heal, prepared to heal through empowerment as one. Girl, you have a voice. You have such a voice, Gina, (laughs) such a voice. I mean, really such a poetic voice, such it. You're just, you're amazing. Oh, thank you. Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to ruin this eyeliner. Glad I didn't wear my eyelashes. 
because I'm about to ruin this eyeliner right now. Thank you for being on. Will you come back on next year? Absolutely. I would love to. Yeah. And I'll do yoga with you next year when I'm not a little sore and I'll actually wear something more yoga friendly. I'm supposed to go see Jackie on Saturday. So Ah. maybe you can join us and do yoga with us. Yeah. I'd love to. (laughs) Well, thank you. Cheers. Thank you you for coming on. We're going to dance our way out. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Thank you for watching, everyone. Thank you for watching Life of Jam. Go to my Facebook page. Find the live feeds. Find us on YouTube. Find us on Twitch. Twitch rhymes with witch. And uh, witches. Peace out. I like this song. I love this song. Yeah.